You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. Does the little guy have a chance in the stock market? Most of the time, I think no. Like, I think Wall Street is just one big scam trying to rip everybody off. And Silicon Valley is kind of not much better. But my next guest will describe how he took Wall Street bets from this little Reddit subgroup into this. I mean, there's stories of little kids going from $500 to $55,000 people making millions because of this one Reddit Wall Street bets. Like you might remember when they promoted GameStop and AMC and these stocks went up hundreds of percent. This is the guy that started it all. Let's hear what he has to say. This isn't your average business podcast and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. James, you said you've been a vagabond mostly since you're 18. Well, what does that mean? Like, I did you go to college? Did you, or did you just leave home, or what did you do? Yeah, so I turned 18. I went to go study. So uh, DC was where I lived prior to college, and then I went to study at University of Illinois. 
And I decided to start a uh, company in Boston. So I was there for a couple of years, got acquired out of Salt Lake City. So I moved there. Then I uh, moved back to D.C. And then uh, the financial crisis cost me my job. So then I was like taking gig jobs in California and just sporadically around the country. And then What what company uh, did you start in Boston? At the time, it was called iTalk. It was a computer back in the day in 2005 when I started it. It was like, it was actually the only at the time computer company that provided support to residential small business customers remotely through the internet, right? Something that like Uh. Geek Squad would send their little Geek Squad car and then you get your geeks at home. And uh, we were able to, to scale that thing up. And so we were acquired. The only people that did that were enterprise level support companies. And so we were acquired by a company that was looking to close the gap from enterprise-sized clients to retail, right? These are going to be volume-based and blah, blah, blah. And did you get acquired for a good amount? Yes, but I got like... So that was my my first lesson in finance. They're like, we can give you like a a million bucks cash today or 20 times that in little pieces of paper you can leave on top of your desk. So I was like, I will take 20 times that pieces of paper on top of my desk. And so... I, I learned my first lesson in, I guess, corporate mergers and acquisitions, takeovers, financing deals, and what the fuck a st- stock warrant means and why it's useless unless you have things like a market and a liquidity event and <laughs> capital to exercise. <laughs> like, No, it's really, it's really true. And I think a lot of people have over the years that, that my first finance lesson was also in the uselessness of these pieces of paper. And... It's funny. I see Wall Street bets as kind of this whole trend um, that's been happening against Wall Street, you know, starting kind of from Silicon Valley, like the the rise of crypto, the rise of things like SPACs, which are having a bear market, of course, now, but, you know, an ability to IPO without Wall Street. And then Wall Street bets, an ability to get, you know, actionable information. You know, this is when you were there, actionable information about stocks other than just the CNBC or Wall Street Journal headline news and, you know, which is fed to them by press releases from Wall Street. So, what, what, you know, a lot of things led to Wall Street bets. I mean, and just to kind of tell some of the stories, you've seen some remarkable things about basically kids building incredible wealth because of Wall Street bets. Like, what's one example story? I mean, there's tons of them. Uh, and there's also a lot that, where they lose money. But what's interesting about Wall Street bets isn't just like an alternate source of information or actionable information, like you, you could say. It's it's also presented in, in an accessible way. The people that go to Wall Street bets have a different mindset, have a different situation. Uh, they're in a different demographic and they have different priorities than those that would watch CNBC. You're going to subscribe to the Wall Street Journal when you're looking to invest and be responsible and grow your nest egg and have less of a tolerance for risk. You're giving a lot of credit to the readers of the Wall Street Journal, but go ahead. <laughs> That's as possible. So, But when you're younger, it's like, dude, I have like 500 bucks, right? Or maybe if I th- I'm talking about disposable income on a monthly, maybe one or 200 bucks or whatever, it's just a smaller amount. I'm never going to be able to be Warren Buffett if I use compound diversified interest bearing whatever that's 2% a year. So I'm going to go ahead and get rich quick. At least I'm going to try. And that mentality of saying, I'm also willing to lose my 200 or 500 bucks, right? I'm, I'm willing to lose 100% of 
uh, what serious people call an investment, what Wall Street people call a bet, right? A, a lottery ticket or a, uh, uh, you know, a chance to, to be able to grow that wealth. And so the mindset going into it is very different. It's, it's yes, you have what's a good company. Yes, what's a good investment. Yes, what are those, the, the fundamental mechanics of how the markets work? Sure. But also, hey, what's cooking, right? Where is there an advantage that we can exploit from our vantage point? You have, I don't know, investment firms that like have these really smart PhD people that do all this analysis and they have better information. You have quant firms that have like co-located computer systems and they do things really quickly with these statistical arbitrage stuff. But when it comes to, to the people that go on Wall Street Pets, it's like, look, I'm willing to lose all my money because yes, arguably you could say I'm a poor student or I'm a poor whatever and I need that money more than the rich person. But it's also, I'm, but I'm also able to afford that 100% loss right now. If I were, uh, you know, like take me for example, I lost tons of money learning about the market, right? And eventually I figured it out. Eventually I'm okay. If I were to start today, down that venture, down that journey of let's see what I can do if I want to control my own finances, I would have lost a hell of a lot more money, right? So I'm glad I lost the money that I did when I did because I acquired knowledge and experience and all sorts of really great stuff. And uh, and and now I have a, whole, a lot of knowledge where I can gamble and I do when I, when I feel like it, but I also am responsible and I do that too. So I have mortgage and kids and all sorts of other, my priorities have changed, right? Uh, and so, yeah, so Wall, Wall Street Bets has a lot of examples of, of people going through this very journey. And so along the way, yeah, I've met countless people. I don't know if there's anyone in particular. I, I'd say one sticks out, um, n- not because how much he won, uh, although it was really impressive. He made one trade and took a 900 or b- between seven and 900 bucks and he turned it into $120,000 overnight. Oh my God. Uh, that, you know, that's... that's <laughs> what, <laughs> what did he do? Like what was his like how did it how did it happen? I want to say it was Roku, but I could be wrong. It's something in that in that vicinity of things. He bought some out of the money calls or puts and he was banking on some like earnings surprise and and he got short like expiration days, what they what they call these uh uh high risk. You have one day and you, yeah. you're either really gonna lose it all and make a lot of money with a really high likelihood that you'll lose everything. But he went ahead and Went all in with his nine hundred dollar account, and then he hit the jackpot. I mean, Roku or whatever that company was, it just went up like some insane amount. And and stock options lets you do that. Uh, but what's cool about that is that is that is an outlier. Even if you know ahead of time that the earnings are going to be good or that the stock price is going to go up, like it's a really complicated uh, maneuver that he pulled off. And and he admits that. He put a lot of thought into it and it was an educated guess, but he also got lucky in the sense that the market moved uh, with the speed at which it did. And uh, once he made that money, most people, that's a very dangerous place to be in because right. you're then just as dangerous as when you're taking a big loss. People go on tilt, they start being reckless, they start revenge trading, and they start just being stupid. Uh there's very little attention to pe- when people actually hit the jackpot. That had the same exact thing happens. You're like high on life. You're seeing money signs. Going to quit my job. Like the whole nine yards. And this guy was really uh, wise beyond his years. You know, he was in his twenties and he had a job. He was like, dude, I re- I removed the money. Like I withdrew the, the the money. I kept a little bit to play around with. I put it into my 401k or Roth IRA or whatever it was, and I went back to work. Uh, he knew 
that he got that, that he hit a one in a million. And he's one of the few people that I have spoken with that had that discipline. There's other people that have that discipline, but not with such little prior experience. Uh, and, and that was pretty cool. I want to get back to that story actually I, I, in, in a little bit because there is a a strategy you can conceive around that possibly. So I want to talk about that in a second. But sure. also there's the story of a, a, another guy who seemed pretty smart who who made 110 million on Bed Bath and Beyond. What was what was that story? Talking about Ryan Cohen. <laughs> yeah. It's somebody who was following Ryan Cohen into Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know the specifics of that particular story. I that that number is so big. Look, sometimes when I hear crazy stories, I feel a responsibility to fact check. But I, like I've tried fact check, I tried it doing it once, and it just came back and it bit me in the ass because it's impossible within reason to actually, with, unless I get the guy's password. Like I just need to 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 do as best I can. But you can fake screenshots. You can fake yeah. even like you know a, a screen sharing thing. But that's that's a big number. Um, I'd. Definitely look into uh, checking it out. But thankfully, also, you have like a gazillion people that that also are looking for evidence, right? They're looking at the volume, the historicals. They want to make sure they can match things up. So if it's true, then look, the guy had a ridiculous jackpot. That That's an insane amount and by far the, the most I've ever heard anybody making on there. I thought 50 million was the biggest one. There's the story in, in your book. So you have a book, Wall Street Bets, How Boomers Made the World's Biggest Casino for Millennials, which I love yeah. that subtitle. It's one of the few times I like a, a subtitle. And in the in the very first chapter, you have the kid who turned $500 into $55,000 on some stock. Yep. If I was like 14 years old, I don't even know what I would do with 55. I don't know what I would do with $50, let alone $55,000. It's actually cool because I, I went through different profiles in that book and I followed kind of their stories. And, and that particular kid, uh, I, I tracked him down, right? Because that he, he turned 900 bucks in like 55K in, in a period of like 10 days or 10 trades or something like that. And he was young. He was not allowed to use a brokerage account. He was using his parents' login or they let him do it. And so... Uh, I tracked him down, and four years later, he like got a finance degree, starting a hedge firm. Like you know, like he went down that direction. But you know what's what's interesting is you have that whole thing where people go rags to riches, riches to rags, rags to riches, back to rags, and and you see the dynamic of the individual, what they're going through, how they did it, and then how the community responds to it. So he like in particular what he did, he was one of the the high profile wins. Way back in the day, I'm talking like 2014 ish, give or take, possibly a little bit after. And so that's a lot of money when you're talking about a high school kid. And everyone said, "Dude, college debt, save it, walk away, just trust us." And he did. He actually walked away, and he uh, used that to pay for his college fund. And he ended up continuing to trade throughout college and did, did really well. He bought a house. Uh, Shortly before I spoke to him, you know, in 2019 when I wrote the book. Uh, but then you have another individual who was also a college kid who, who was a little less meticulous, very lucky, but he just kept getting it right. He would, he would, he went from like 50 grand and then he lost it and then he made it back and then he lost it again or something like that. And then finally he hits big and he goes from like 50 to 150 or so. I don't remember the numbers, but I think that 700,000 was the highest that he got. After like the third trade, and people were like, "Dude, you just hit three in a row." It wasn't some crazy Roku one. Like it wasn't a hundred bucks to a hundred thousand. Those were really crazy. It was more like ten thousand 
to 100,000. That's a lot more feasible. And, uh, and so he did that a few times. He doubled up, doubled up, doubled up. And after the third time, they're like, dude, just don't go all in again. Walk away. And after like two more trades, he, he went back to like nothing. He lost it. He lost it all. But that's an example of someone that did he get depressed? I'm sure he did. I have no doubt. You know, it's like anyone's going to take a huge hit like that, especially look, if you, if you have, if, if you start with something, you make something and then you lose it again. You're like, ah, this sucks. I'm going to, I'm not going to replicate that again. I'm going to save up again. I'm going to try because if I only correct this one thing, then I would be okay. And that, that thinking is, although with well, in, like it's well intended, but usually not executed properly, but he says, let's do it. So he gets money again. He tries this again, and now he's actually doing it well. And it, and it gets to his head and he does the, pretty much, the, he makes the same mistake, possibly disguised as a different thing, which was, dude, like <laughs> you have to manage your risk to some extent. You have to be able to take your money off and you can't just go all in with every single one uh, because it's not all within your control. Even if your analysis is 100%. And, uh, and so I'm sure he did get depressed and maybe he, you know, maybe he, he, I'm assuming one of two things happened. He either said, all right, you know what? I never had a million dollars to start with or 700 grand. So therefore, I didn't really lose it. Like I'm no, I'm no worse off now than I was yesterday. I just right. up here, right? And so, if he has that mindset, then he can recollect and keep learning from it. Hopefully, he'll turn down the aggressiveness a little bit because that that is an emotional roller coaster that's that's hard on the body. But uh, the other thing that happens with people like that is they say, you know what, that's it. Like clear, clearly, this isn't for me. That's too much. And then you have the occasional one that just keeps trying and trying and trying and just but but they're but but they're they're focused on the wrong stuff, right? And uh, well, it, it's interesting. Like risk, we all know there's money in investing. Many people have gotten wealthy investing, but the critical thing is like one percent of investing. I feel is sort of the idea, like oh, I'm going to try this trade, and then ninety nine percent is how you manage your risk. But you know, and those numbers could be different a little bit when you're younger. And like you said, you could take more risks. And also you, when you're younger, you don't know how to manage risk as, as well, just for lots of reasons. But like, what's what's your story? Like you started Wall Street Bets and and uh, until I read your book, I didn't know how long, how old Wall Street Bets was. You started around 2012. Uh, and of course it became famous in 2021 when AMC and and GameStop just went bonkers because of of threads on Wall Street Bets. What's What's the story? Well, and just uh, Wall Street Bets was actually well known within the finance community by then. By 2021, people in finance knew about Wall Street Bets because there had been a ton of shenanigans that they pulled off by then, right? Like a lot of really high profile stunts. Uh, 2021 took it from CNBC and put it on Good Morning America, right? So that that was the, the difference is it had this heartwarming story that was easy to explain to people. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's been around for a long time. And when it comes, uh, you know, when it comes to risk, it's it's more so than just the managing of the risk of the trade. Like, I, you know, when I was in in this investor conference this week, I went to dinner with a bunch of them, and and we start getting into this discussion. This one investor says to me, "I feel bad for all the people that lost money because, you know, the terms he was using like retail, like you know, they got a." caught holding the bag. They're all, they're all big losers, like big smart money won, whatever. And I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't understand what any of those words you just used. What do you mean retail lost? What is that? Describe it to me. Right. And so he's like, well, anyone that bought at the peak and is still holding is now down. I'm like, yeah, but you're, 
your like portfolio is down too. And I'm not even ask you what you're in. Everything's down right now. Right? Like, so like, you're also holding up bag, right? And he goes, no, but the thing is that like, you know, if they were to cash out, we're like, well, so if you're investing, you're telling me that they've already lost money. But if you're using the investing standard, then wait 30 years from now and tell me how they're doing with their bag that they're holding, right? So it's either they're trading and it's like, you know, I make like I win and I lose on some trades or I'm investing. And obviously there's no such thing as a retail investor on Wall Street bets. And, uh, you know, he goes, yeah, but they're just gambling. And I go, but so are you. And he, he, he like, I get, he visibly got upset. He's like, no, I am a serious investor. I research companies. I check the fundamental valuation and I compare it to the market like Warren Buffett. And I said, yeah, but there's risk associated with this. Like the only difference between a gambler and you is exactly how much you're willing to risk. You're telling me that your firm offers me risk-free returns? Because if so, I'm going to pull my money right out of there, right? Like there's absolutely no way that you can make money without it. The difference is you have the sliding scale. If you want to make a little but not lose a lot, like there it is. You can just do like a CDs or like, you know, like a savings account like with a bank and it's going to pay you nothing and it's not going to go up or down. And if you go the other extreme, you want to say, well, I want 10% risk because I'm going to go small caps because this index, whatever, then you're potentially going to expose your portfolio to more volatility. He goes, well, but it's a portfolio. And I go, it's a strategy, right? Like, and so it's a different mindset. So if you're telling me if I keep dialing this thing all the way to here, you're now saying that this is an irresponsible gamble. I'm calling it a conscientious approach to the market. You're calling it a backholding loss. They're calling it an expenditure, right? This is a purchase of a thing like a lottery ticket, which I have now lost that money, uh, but there's a chance that I make it. But if I don't, this was the way that I spent. I didn't go buy a Gucci bag or like, you know, Versace shoes. I bought some puts. Uh, and and that's and they're going to provide knowledge, entertainment. It's going to provide opportunities. It's going to provide all sorts of different things. But they're playing in the exact same arena. So yeah, no risk is is interesting. And then I'll get I'll get to the you know how I started. But this is I guess working my way backwards. When it comes to trading, it's not just managing risk. It's like the execution of the entire thing. When I started Wall Street Bets, a couple things were taking place. I'd lost my job because of the financial crisis. And so I'd been a year without a steady job. And I was just doing little gig jobs here and there. And it sucked. Then I got a really good job and it was paying me very well. And I had a good disposable income. And I'm single uh, at the time and no kids and no mortgage and no anything. And so I'm like, I can take risk right now. And I never want to be in that same situation. And I'm in DC at this point, and I'm walking past this like satellite Occupy Wall Street movement, and I'm feeling bad for all the people that are sitting out there in the cold uh, because they're not going to get anywhere with their protest. But it's in my head every day, and I'm still upset. And everyone's mad at the banks because they're using Wall Street like a casino. And I said to myself, well, look, there's no law that prohibits individuals from using Wall Street like a casino and allows the banks to do that. The, the law says everyone can use the Wall Street as they see fit. So we're going to wear Wall Street as a badge of honor, like when referring to it as a casino. It's meant to be an insult when they're talking about Goldman Sachs, but when talking about us, it's going to be like, damn right, it's a casino and it's fun as hell. So that's a little bit of what's going on in my head as far as my attitude towards Wall Street. And then secondly, I now want to not be without money or unemployed again. So I'm going to try and take my now, I don't know, thousands of dollars of disposable income a month, and I'm going to risk all of it with the hopes of having millions in a piggy bank. And so uh, I start Wall Street Bets 
with the intention of finding like-minded people and learning from people that want to use the market in the same capacity with the same outlook. Because if you go online and look for communities that want to teach you, you had at the time either investing communities, which is like, this is how you diversify. And then you have the other ones, which are, well, we're professional traders. We click stuff on the screen all day long, but it's a craft and it's a very serious, difficult one. And most people just don't make it past the, the starting gate. And you have to quit your job in order to do it. And so I'm like, no, no, no. I want the one that's fun and it's easy and I do it on the side. And uh, and so that's why I started Wall Street Bets. And so this is when I start taking my journey and I start attracting people, both students and people that wanted to learn, people that wanted to risk and trade. And surprisingly, it also attracted professionals. They were like, this place looks fun. We're going to hang out here. And so the professionals start sharing knowledge. And I'm like, I'm in a chat room at one point with a, a handful of successful solo individual traders that are multimillionaires. And I said, cool. All right. So now we have three of you in here that have made it. Uh, what stock do I buy? I want to get rich like you. And they said, doesn't work like that. I'm like, yes, it does. You guys are all done. It. Just tell me what to buy and I'll do it. And we're good. And he goes, no, but like the thing is, it's even if we tell you, you won't make money. And I'm like, they're like, you need to define your stuff. And now they're getting all technical. I mean, like, just shut up. All right. Let's try a different approach because I'm, I'm clearly not communicating myself. You, how do you make money? He goes, well, I draw lines on a screen, technical analysis, and I'll do Fibonacci's and resistance, support, whatever. And I'm like, all right, cool. What about you? And the other guy goes, well, I have a system, a computer system that algorithmically figures out what the statistical significance of the standard deviation stuff and it reverts to that. Okay. And what about you? And he goes, well, those guys are both stupid. I pay 20 grand a month for a news feed that I get the news like 10 seconds before the actual breaking news does. That gives me 10 seconds on Twitter or anyone else to buy the or sell the you know interest rate decision. So I go, excellent. All right. So uh, let's do a contest where the three of you are going to trade at once. Ahead of time, you tell me what you're going to do, and then you do it in here live, and then you show us the results. Whoever wins is the one that's going to tell me what stock to buy. And they go, fine. So we pick like a you know interest rate day so that the news guy can participate. And I said, good, let's go. What are you going to do? And the first guy goes, well, there's resistance right here and support. So I'm going to wait till it goes up here and then I'm going to short down to this thing. And then the other guy goes, well, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not touching my computer. It does it for me. But my model is going to predict that if this move is so volatile, it's going to both short and long at the same time so that it can revert to the mean. And I go, okay, so you're going to short. The second guy's going to short and long somehow. And then what about news guy? What are you going to do? He goes, well, I'm going to wait until I know the future and then I'm going to go all in. And so I'm like, all right, uh, let's do it. And so interest rate comes in. It's like a you know bullish market decision. It was like a you know zero interest rate, whatever. I don't remember. And so that meant he had to long the market. So all three of them do their thing like within seconds. I'm talking 10 seconds later. They're like, all right, I'm done, done, done. I'm like, cool, you guys are done. That was quick, 10 seconds. All right, uh, how'd you do? All three of them just completely killed it, right? They all made a, like a stupid amounts of money. And I said, hold on, but you stuck to the plan? You shorted, you longed, and you did both? And we go, yep. Like, I give up. How the fuck? Like, they're like, that's why we can't tell you what stock to buy. Like, even if I told you what I was going to do ahead of time, even if we told each other, because we know what we're doing, uh, we still would have lost each other's money if we did each other's strategy because you wouldn't have had the, the testicular fortitude, to put it delicately, to, to hold on to these positions the way that you're supposed to. And uh, the conviction and the knowledge of how it takes place. And so that execution and conviction and understanding and reasoning says to me, okay, that's how you're actually able to do all three. 
because the market never just goes up, right? If you look at the number right now and you compare it to yesterday's number, sure, it went up, but in the middle, it did this thing. And so anyway, so that was my journey through Wall Street Bets and it started growing and people started coming up with insane cheat codes, workarounds, inefficiencies, right? Like the finance people call it arbitrage. It's literally just profiting opportunities that pertain only to the retailer crowd. And, and that's, the, that's the goal. The guy who did the news stuff, uh, that almost seems like uh, equivalent to insider trade, like legal insider trading. Like he gets the news like 10 seconds before and is able to trade on it. That seems like actually a, a pretty safe strategy. It does, right? And so that's what I was thinking too. So I told the guy after we were friends after many months, I said, come on, dude, you have got to hook us all up, right? Now it's half really professionals in this chat room and the other half are noobs, 20 people in here. Do us a solid, plug your chat bot into here and we want to know the future too. And the guy said, I'll do it, no problem. That's not, a, that's not an issue, but I'm going to warn you, you will not make money and you're not going to do it properly. And like, I, I would not go... This guy is so good at his own strategy that he would... He would do Forex mainly because he needed strong liquidity for his position. And his broker, which then uses the bank as like the counterparty to the trade, had to change his account number every time this guy made a trade or every day or something because the banks, the counterparties refused to ever do business with that account number again because he would just rob them. Like he would put $10 million into a trade, leverage oh, yeah. it like ridiculous amounts and just take everything. So, uh, so anyway, so I said, so the guy said, don't go all in like me, just take a small amount, plugs it in and fuck it. In. It's hard as hell because you have to digest, you have 10 seconds, you see the information and you say, okay, uh, you know, like Amazon's earnings per share came in at this and this thing came in at that. Like you have to then digest it quickly. Is that bullish or bearish? Right. You need to find the right thing to trade. You have to click it without fat fingering it because you're sweating balls. You have to quickly also do you know, by then we were all advanced enough that we understand position sizing and, and, and proper bet placements. And so you need to place the bet correctly uh, with an insanely volatile market such that it's going to get filled. So like market orders are in play at this point, like, and we all got our asses kicked, right? And so, um, so it's a skill and, and it's legal, uh, legal insider trading, sure, but it's only very few people that could ever pull that off. 10 years later, yeah. I mean, what, couldn't he like coach a little bit and say, okay, if Amazon's earnings were expected to be a dollar and it comes in at a dollar 10 and the market was, Amazon was down that day, probably Amazon's going to bounce hard on, on this exceeding expectations, like a little coaching in different situations. And he probably he could, he could, he could potentially do it, but it's just tricky because like the, the, he's just going off of these liquidity events, these catalyst moments with insane movements. If the rent, if the interest if the Fed today, like on a Thursday, not unscheduled thing, got out there and says, I'm making interest rates 20%, all right, to upset the markets, you would assume the markets are going to go down. But if you zoom into the chart, it's going to move up and down a lot, right? And, in, and it's those two or three seconds in between when everyone's going, what the fuck does this mean? That you don't trust yourself. Right. And you say, I think the markets should go down because this went thing up, but the market is going up for some reason. So... So no, I'm going to close my position and I'm going to go with the market and I'm going to swap it out to a long. Then the market really processes it correctly and then it completely destroys on you. But also don't like the fat finger concept is, is uh, a, a complicated one. And then thirdly, he didn't use stocks because news didn't translate directly and immediately into the stock prices the way that the Forex markets or futures did. 
And with Forex markets, you now need to have a full understanding of currency pairs and, and market dynamics. Like if you say, uh, you know, I remember his favorite trade ever, he got, talked about the Swiss franc forever was pegged to the euro at like $1.20 or something like that. And at one point they said, we're going to stop pegging this thing. So it was an unscheduled news thing. And he had this bracelet that vibrated just before I, you know, watches or whatever. So he'd run to his computer because it said like, the Bank of Switzerland is no longer going to peg the thing. And so he's got to quickly find the correct pair to do it with. In this case, I think it was an obvious euro. Uh, but you have to size it quickly, open up the chart, drag it into it, put the trade in, and then execute it before the computers do. Because remember, you're not up against other humans that that also need to process this information. You're up against the computer that's going to do it in a second, right? And so, uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's an okay strategy, but I don't know that it's got. I don't even know. I haven't talked to him forever, but. I don't know if it still exists as a strategy because information is becoming more accessible, right. more immediate. So, and he knew this, so he was always stashing as much money away as he could because he knew that strategy would only last for so long. I, like, like basically, like every investment strategy, like as soon as enough people know it, it works until it doesn't. Which, yeah. which, of course, was the case with AMC and GameStop. Like a lot of people, you know, jumped onto the Wall Street Bets bandwagon hoping to get the next one and maybe they did get the next one, but then eventually, you know, the band stopped playing. Yeah. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over a hundred or two hundred different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I love. I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I of course the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income? by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests. And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side-by-side -side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, 
playing chess, but it was four plane rides, like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours and they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class, so I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see, you'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast and the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So what what was happening to you when all this like I I what what even happened with AMC? I think AMC was the first one or was it GameStop? I I don't know how it is that you want to define the first one. Uh, uh GameStop was the big one and it was the leading one. Uh and then there was a bunch of other ones that kind of piggybacked on that momentum. It was the biggest one historically on on pretty much any uh way you want to measure it. But the maneuvers to an outset, to the person watching Good Morning America, they're going to say, a bunch of people got online and decided to buy this thing and the stock went up because when you buy, it goes up. Supply and demand. And that's true, but it's it's incomplete because uh, it was a lot more sophisticated what Wall Street, the people in Wall Street bets did. They, they had to pull in a bunch of other maneuvers that they had fine-tuned years prior. In fact, I don't think I addressed this in my book. Um, I wouldn't have, no, because it, the, the thing published in 2020. So uh, an example of what happened with GameStop is like, well, we, we, we are a lot of people. Uh, back then, there were probably a million people, maybe 
two million people on on Wall Street bets uh, with on a, an average account that's not very significant, and so uh, it's it's enough to move the thing around, but it's not enough to make it go from twenty bucks to like five hundred bucks. So you have the short squeeze component too. So you're buying the stock; that's one component. It's a short squeeze. I'll assume that we all know what that means, and so that's the second upward pressure. But there was also an options play where where they call this a, a gamma squeeze, and this is a a really fun uh, and very creative way to pretty much push prices around. If you say, I, I got 500 bucks to my name, but I'd like to, to have somebody else buy stocks for me, you buy stock options and you buy certain types of stock options uh, and you buy those stock, stock options from some other individual, some other participants, some market maker or some whatever it might be. And very frequently, these crazy stock options, the, the, the specific ones I'm mentioning, uh, are only being doled out by by funds that are delta neutral. Delta neutral meaning I don't care if the GameStop goes up or down. I'll sell you the stock option. I'll cover my bases because I have math on my side, you know. And and if the price of GameStop goes up, meaning I have to pay up, pay you for the the, the winning this stock options bet, that's fine because I'll go ahead and buy the stocks and I'll hedge accordingly. And uh, uh, so they're, they pretty much break even on that trade, but they profit a little bit from the, let's call it a fee. And so a lot of people did this where they're like, yeah, let's make the, the market maker people buy hedge against our options position. It doesn't cost very much money. And then that's going to make them actually purchase the full share. So I bought $500 worth of stock options. They have to work by $50,000 worth of shares. Right, and as the share price goes up, because the for factor one is lots of buyers, number two it's a short squeeze, and number three now you're having these these uh, counterparties having to hedge their delta neutral bets. Now you've now you've exp- increased that that price increase exponentially. And what's fun about these options gamma squeezes is the higher the price goes, uh, the amount of hedging required goes up exponentially. Uh, if something goes up by 5%, they need to buy, let's say, 10% of the underlying. Uh, and then if it goes up by 10%, they got to buy 30% of the Like, it just it goes up fast. And so people were doing that at the same time. In the same At, at the same moment, they're like, you know, the, the, the talking heads on the other side of the trades weren't really helping the situation while kicking the furnace nets. But uh, uh, so... so they had already done this Delta Gamma squeeze thing a year or two prior. They'd actually perfected it. They tweaked it. We made the cover of Business Week magazine because they said these people figure out how to manipulate stock prices with very little money, right? And they'd done it with Plug and they'd done it with big ones like Tesla. They'd done it with Virgin Galactic. They'd done it with a bunch of other ones. And they made these things go up 10, 20%. And these are big companies, right? Uh, so GameStop, yeah, that was the first one. If, we, if that's the name we're going to use. Hertz arguably was kind of one of those, right? Hertz during the pandemic went from like, Two bucks a share, like five bucks a share, because everyone just said, "Hey, you know, you're supposed to buy like buy low and sell high." Two dollars is pretty close to zero, so just <laughs> let's give it a shot. I'm not going to go out of business. And sure enough, they 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 more than doubled the price. And so, um, uh, so yeah, so I pretty much walked you through GameStop, but also gave you the context of it not being the first one per se. Yeah, and and the idea that you have a million people doing this kind of highly leveraged strategy, like they didn't use leverage, but the strategy itself is leveraged in that a small amount of buying creates a lot of, a lot bigger activity on the other side. But that, they did, A million yeah. people is, pro- is powerful. 
It is powerful, exactly. But they did use leverage. That is what made it uh, powerful. Because remember, the wall, people in Wall Street bets like, I, I got my 500 bucks, I want a yacht, right? So how do I do that? So that's with leverage. But like, and that's nothing new to, to Wall Street. Just, you know, a year prior to that, like you had, or I don't know, I'm losing track of time, like the Archegos Capital, where they like, took down, what was it, Viacom? Or I don't remember the specific of the stock, but these are, these, what was it called? The cat? No, it wasn't a cash for delivery. It was a swap, the true value swap to a T something swap. Uh, it's it's another leverage thingy where somebody else has to take on the risk. It's an asymmetric risk situation, and and, uh, and it's and it disrupts the market. You know the plumbing of the market, and it really, it, you know, it exposes systemic risks. GameStop nearly broke the market in ways that I did not know that at the time. I did not know that shortly after. I did not know that until I read a book by a Wall Street Journal uh, or a, like a journalist that, that that broke down some stuff that was uh, unknown to me. And then some of the things that were exposed in the uh, the, the hearing, the congressional hearing, uh, <laughs> the testimony. Like, like, what way did it break the market? So you have a market where if you buy a stock and then you sell that stock right away, your account is going to say you have $100. And then when you buy the stock, it says you now have $50. And now you have one share of this thing worth $50. So your account is still worth $100. And then when you sell it, it says you have zero shares again, but now you have $50 back, right? So you, you haven't really done anything. So... On the front end, that's what people think are hap is happening. I just got the stock and then I got rid of the stock. Behind the scenes, there's a whole thing that happens where they go, slow down, people. You don't have the stock yet because it takes two days for you to actually receive this thing legally. Why? Because back in the day, they used horses to send the physical pieces of paper across Manhattan and they haven't updated the systems yet. Uh, but whatever, it's the way that it works. It's why sometimes like banks won't, you know, clear your check right. It takes business days to do the thing, right? Yeah, it's dumb. So they go ahead and and they say, I'm going to give you an IOU for this stock. So you owe me money. And then like, you know, well, two days later, when you get the share, you have to actually give it all back. And then you have to give me the money. You got to wait for it to clear. So you start racking up these IOU tabs all over the place where that example I used, a $50 bought and sold, the broker's on the hook for 50 bucks until the whole transaction goes through the plumbing of the system. So two days later, the broker's back to the square even. But meantime, you, the, the user, like you're still buying and selling other shit and you're racking up this tab on the broker's side of things. But like that tab is included in the clearinghouses, like the brokers, the market, like uh, the counterparties. Everyone needs to start getting these credits. And once they reach a certain limit, right, when they've, when they said, dude, you now owe me $10 million, even though 10 million people only bought and sold that share or whatever that math works out to be, 2 million people. But now we're worried that you're not going to be able to pay up in case something goes wrong. So uh, you need to put up a margin call. You need to put up more capital so that mm -hmm. this thing can take place. And if you don't, then I'm not going to allow you to participate in the market anymore for any shares at all, right? And I think that Robinhood's tab was like 7 billion dollars at the height of one particular day. That was just Robin Hood, right? There was like all these other participants along the way. The markets had to turn around and the, the regulators said, you know what? Let's go ahead and waive these things just for today. Because if we enforce this and we margin call, there's not enough cash in the world to meet this particular margin call. Like there's just no, we did not like contemplate the situation already. 
And then we'd have to essentially just prevent any broker from participating. The market's going to close until the whole thing comes up with like $10 trillion. You know, so, so, it, so humans had to actually intervene and, and, and weigh this. And that was, uh, uh, that was relevant because, you know, there was a lot of scrutiny around the pausing the buy button. That pausing the buy button was honestly the least bad of all the possible scenarios that they were facing. I mean, did uh, you have to testify in front of Congress? No, no, I didn't testify. I, I actively participate in in uh, they, you know, like what's interesting about Congress is they they were more interested in grilling the institutional participants for why right. it's not fair for the little guy, which is cool. Right? I never never saw that coming. I thought that Congress was going to say, "Why are these clowns playing with our toys?" It's like this not this is for big boys. But no, it was cool. And so you know they had Keith Gill, who was the only. Uh, uh, recognizable public figure that was leading the charge there, but you know they took it easy on him and he just chilled. But now they took it out on on Robin Hood, on Citadel, on Gabe Plotkin. I forget his thing. But. And then and then Elon Musk gets involved, or Chamath gets involved. They're all tweeting about you know let's let's drive Wall Street crazy. Let's 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 you know go heavily into GameStop. What was that a surprise when they got involved? I mean. I don't know exactly where I was with my surprise threshold by the time they tweeted, right? But there was a handful of different surprises. There was a point at which I stopped being surprised. Uh, regard, you know, I'm, I'm like watching White House press briefings or asking people about Wall Street bets. Like, <laughs> like that's that was pretty surreal, and you know. But by then, it was. Uh, but but it, it built up to the point where the surprise factor stopped going away. But I think that what was cool about this, and you have celebrities you have influencers ceos you have really uh notable no no worthy people sharing their opinion on this and i think the relevancy i think the reason why there was a passion and it was this heartwarming story is because there there was a lot of built up animosity uh from the people that were picketing and camping outside of wall street and dc when i was you know starting wall street bets they were like we never got closure Right, the banks got their bailout. You know the thing, like yeah, the economy recovered a decade later, but or at least the stocks did, and uh, and you know the economy was, was was well. Everyone got jobs, they moved on with their life, but they never got that closure they so wanted. And so at the moment that they see that you have these little guys stirring up the same problem, making the Wall Street side of uh, you know the institutions lose money, that's like damn right, right these kids can play too and they're beating your Giro game and uh, that that validation was I think I think it resurfaced I don't know that GameStop began with this philosophical you know moral sure. the story thing but <laughs> but it certainly did end that way it was good reason I mean did did Elon or Tramath were they participating at all on on Wall Street bets or it was just kind of out of the blue that uh, they were tweeting about it and kind of encouraging what was happening I, they're fully aware of Wall Street bets, and they, you know, like that. I, I don't know if they're like I don't know what the word participate means because you know a lot of people refer to Wall Street bets like the subreddit, which is the biggest hub. But Wall Street bets now exists, and even then existed, and like you know, it was omnipresent. You have different social media channels, you have Telegram and Discord and Facebook, and you have groups all over the place. You have like subsets of groups where they're doing Satoshi streets and Silver streets and Korean streets and whatever street bets. Um, and so I think that the, the symbolism, the, the idea of, Hey, this is the, uh, 
this is a group, this is a collective that just kind of exists on the internet and they, they're doing this. Uh, in that sense, they participated because on Twitter, they're saying stonks and whatever, and they're making references or, or directly sometimes linking to the subreddit, whatever. I don't know that they went in and made comments. I know that there are a lot of people that did. Like, I think that John Stewart, for example, and a bunch of other people went on on uh, uh, Wall Street Best to do like a question answer thing. But um, but I, 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 I don't know... When you say participate, what the, what does it mean? Go to the site and check out what they're doing? Because I guarantee yeah, I mean, you everyone I, did. I mean, I guess, like you said, they probably weren't commenting on it, but in some way they were they were fueling it. Like they certainly got a lot of people aware of Wall Street bets that might not have been previously aware of it. And yeah, they got in a mindset. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, you start this in 2012. Like how much, you know, you but you were obviously it wasn't paying the bills. Like, how much did Wall Street bets start to take over the time in your life? Wall Street bets has until until 2019, 2020, uh, was just a a a hobby passion. I uh, I had my good job, and I didn't intend on on quitting my good job. I intended on getting rich on the side. I enjoy getting up and showering, going to work, and and working on being challenged and learning stuff, and just having stuff to do with my life. Uh, so it was never in my, uh, yeah, I, I never had it visualized as me, as me quitting. Eventually, I was like, all right, well, that, that I, w- I was done with DC. I decided to move to Mexico, but I started a company. And then I, you know, like moved on from that one. And I pursued my entire life a, a parallel career until 2019 when I'm like, you know what? Uh, I, and I've been an entrepreneur for, for a large portion of my professional career. And so I said, why don't I focus my next entrepreneurial venture on? Wall Street bets related business, right? There's now a big enough market. There's a big enough audience. There's big enough brand recognition. There's enough that can be done with um, with this. And so I took several steps to to go there, such as writing that book and a bunch of other things. Um, so I would say, and that's when I said, okay, I'm I'm no longer going. To, you know, that's when I quit my job. If we want to say that, and. Uh, I've been focusing on Wall Street bet stuff uh, ever since. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
I know you created like a portfolio of like Nancy Pelosi and other Congress people's stocks. What are some of the things that you've done and, and what's been the reaction? I've, I've done a lot of little experiments and they've been fun, but they've been unstructured and they've all been, uh, they, they've all had varying levels of success. But the thematic, the theme that I'm using when I'm experimenting stuff is let's do market related stuff. Let's disrupt. Let's cater to this demographic, right? This This demographic that is... I'm going to fend for myself. I consume my information on TikTok instead of CNBC. I I have this attitude about um, how to just you know gig economies and, and influencers and 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 so anyway. So it's always been around that in the market, and I've had varying levels. Look, I got into crypto. Crypto is something that I evaluated when it first came out. I was like, this is a really cool experiment, but it has no place on Wall Street bets because it's lacking some technical. Uh, uh, capacity it doesn't have enough liquidity. It doesn't have an ease of use. Like Robinhood yeah. has just super easy onboarding. It doesn't it stupid spreads. The legality was questionable. The ability to convert from fiat to not. So I was like, cool experiment. Good luck with that, but not on Wall Street bets. And then, uh, and then I uh, reevaluated that stance when cryptos. I, and I admit that it took too long to reevaluate it. But crypto is now a completely different beast. It's not just coins that go up and down. It's like an entire parallel infrastructure and uh, ecosystem. So I experimented a lot with that. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. And I still am very involved with that. And I think that there's definitely some some junction there. And then I did some things with, uh, you know, started going to a lot of these conferences, whether they be financial conferences or crypto conferences. And I'll do, I'll host these big parties and sponsorships. We'll get sponsors, do NFTs. Were we at the Las Vegas Web3 Expo a few weeks ago? I was. I was there too. All right. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I did the yeah. I did the keynote speech kicking off the conference that 12 people were in the room. 6,000 oh. people attended the conference, but nobody attended any of the sessions, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, sometimes they're hit or miss. They're, they, like, yeah. There's been a lot of different ones. But like the uh, the biggest, the, the, the project that I'm most excited about that I'm not making very much noise, but I'm making a lot of behind the scenes progress on is one that I'd actually mentioned before the pandemic and, and got shut down. So my, here was my vision. You have in 2012, when I started Wall Street Bets, you have the system being angry at the banks because they're using Wall Street like a casino. So I start a place and I call it the Wall Street Bets, right? Well, not Bob, but just Wall Street Bets. This is a, the casino of Wall Street and it's a badge of honor. And then that took on a life of its own. Now the new insult that people are using is the gamification of stock trading, right? This is not a game. This is not a toy. This is grown-up stuff. You can ruin your life. And I said, okay, let's go ahead and make that the badge of honor too. So let's turn this thing into a game, but it won't be a simulation. It's not going to be an actual entertainment thing. Well, it'll be entertaining, but it's going to be, let's go trade stocks, but we're going to dress it like a game and and such as uh esports is able to do and so esports can uh, get yeah. a ton of people get a ton of people that watch East, other people play video games and that's a thing right and then you have competitive uh examples where i can drop on from the experience like poker it's not very exciting if you're standing over someone's shoulder, but it's very exciting if you watch the World Series of Poker for various reasons. It's same thing with chess, I guess, to some extent. And then when it comes to finally coming up with rules and a framework around this, the Ultimate Fighting Championship has some elements as well, which is you have 
different styles, different mixed martial arts, and you're allowing people to combine it in their own way to see which which style is able to outperform the other one and the understandability. So I'm pretty advanced in pulling off this vision, which is an esports let's league uh, a format, right? This is a set of rules that describe the way that this competitive trading is going to be looking like, whereby people can then go in there and competitively trade based off of different stuff. And it's going to be presented as if you're watching any sports with the announcers and the stadium and the things. And like, this is the, such a great idea. I love this. Yeah. It's, Are I'm, you going to do it on Twitch? Like, people should do people stream or uh, Twitch stream uh, day trading? I, they do. Uh, but, but I haven't yet found it's a, it's a hard nut to crack. And, and it's, it's got some issues. If I start trading and I start streaming my trade, I'm going to lose a lot of viewers because it's like I said, it's like standing over my shoulder when I'm playing. Yeah. And, and that's a problem, right? And it's also a problem if you're trying to gamify it. Like, how can you, this does not look or feel like a game. It doesn't, it's not paced like a game. And, uh, and people that are not, that are neutral participants, meaning like, I don't know shit about trading stocks, but I understand video games and I understand winning stuff, right? And so if the rules can be explained in a one, two, three, and if the rules are also created in such a way that they they promote action, right? And they and they also simplify what it is that people are seeing. Uh, that that example of the three traders that, that I shared earlier can, can ex exemplifies the complexity of how you can transmit that to somebody that's just like I know stocks or shares in a company. And you can buy them and, and they can make money. Two, what the hell did I just see? What's a short? What's a thing? What's a, you know, what's a like mean reversion strategy? Like, I don't get any of that. But I understand a green and a red when the line goes up and down, right? So, yeah. So, so people do it, but it's not, it, 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 it's only getting people that are already specialists and it's not getting like hmm. a cult type following. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be Twitch and it's also going to be TV and it's going to be, um, uh, live in some instances, like, you know, for having some big finales or whatever, stadium style. So you get some traders and yeah. it's almost like a fantasy sports thing. Like we kind of, you know, have our heroes and our villains and, and, and who we want to, to win. We can even maybe place bets on them. And is it like in a day? Is it an hour? Is it like your example earlier where it was 10 seconds? Like what's, what's the format? Those are excellent questions, and those are literally the ones that that are that are getting ironed out. There's many ones that that have worked so far, uh, and and we're just weighing in some logistics. Like there's, it's it's a complicated thing because like you know, I sat down with a broker and I said, broker, I'm going to do this thing. Can you make me a brokerage that that looks like a video game for me? And I'm going to need this, this, that, and the other. And so they're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. And it's easy because we were thinking about having this thing where you can compete with groups and social trading. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But not going to work for me. And they go, it will, it will, trust me. Because like, at least we can see the leaderboard and who's winning. I go, no, because I get, I'll bet you and I are going to disagree on who's winning. You go, well, whoever's making the most money. And I go, based off of what metric, right? Like, is it percentage? Is it percentage per trade? Is it like the account size? Because if it's the account size, is the guy that started with more money better than the one that, like, you know, and then you just started coming into regulatory things. Like if it's in the US and using stocks, they have to have PDT, like uh, better day trading, for which anyone under 25 with an account under 25 grand can't play. Like it gets, it gets hairy. So, uh, but I've, but I've, I've solved uh, an overwhelming number of these, these uh, uh, issues, thankfully. And so the format's going to be the shortest length full-blown live episode that you can watch is going to be one trading day, right? One session. 
Uh, that's that's the shortest that works. You then can then narrow that six and a half hours down to one hour or whatever of, of highlights if you don't want to watch it live and you just want to see where the money was made and lost, right? But the, the full stream itself for people that want to watch the deliberation process and, and all these other things and these thinking out loud and get to see how the players get frustrated or whatever, like that stuff is is the shortest amounts. And then you can then you can extend that. I, 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 three days is the longest that, that I'm contemplating at this point. That, that also works before you start. And so you're watching, let's say there's a dozen, is it like anybody can play that and you watch all of them or are you going to pick like a dozen sort of famous traders and they're in there and they're going to describing their trades and they're up and down and maybe they all start off with like a hundred thousand dollars so it's percentages and percentage per trade like how, how are you going to do it yeah no it's it's a it's an excellent question so like my innocent nine, 2019 self says i'm going to take like a dave pornoy and a jim kramer and the trading space is homeless guy from the street and whatever. I'm having all go all at it, right? Like just because it's got to be entertaining. Like the, the yeah. people that are behind the desk are also a source of that content. And so, and so I go to my lawyers. I'm like, how fucked am I, right? Uh, with with this concept, and they go, well, surprisingly, you know, there's a few things to watch out for, but for the most part, there's nothing against what you're trying to do. Yeah, what could but, possibly be wrong with that? Well, apparently nothing, right? Like yeah. there's there's a few things you got to make be careful about, like disclosure. I mean, it's minor stuff, but anyway. Oh yeah, like they can't they can't own it beforehand, uh, and then convince everybody that in the country who's watching them to hey, this stock's great, and then meanwhile their their hedge fund behind the scenes is dumping all the shares while their hundred thousand dollar account is buying well, the shares. Yeah, well, that's called breaking the law. Yeah, you can't yeah. break the law. Yeah, no, no, no. Like you can't, you can't be fraudulent. No, there's other stuff. Like people that don't have bad intentions uh, can also get in trouble, and I, those are the ones that I'm concerned about. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. If you if you're sitting on a huge freaking position and you're manipulating this thing, yeah, that's 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 easy. No, it's. It's smaller things. Like if you're trading and all of a sudden you end up with more than 5% of the share of the company, that's a, thing, that's a problem, right? Um, because then you have to fill out forms with the government because that's part of the rules, right? So it's, it's more like that. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but I guess another point that you're just making is if everybody starts off with a $100,000 account and if you're judging the metric of success is percentage gain by the end of the day, but the problem is like if you're buying a microcap stock that has no liquidity, your buying alone could push your percentage gain up. I guess you have to be liquid in cash by the end of the day to make it fair. Yes, yes, that 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 exists. But that line of questioning, like if you sit here thinking about this, you're going to come up with like a hundred more examples like that, right? Like yeah. I can see how your brain's uses are flowing. Uh, <laughs> that That is one of six billion different things. There's situations under which you can't close your position out, right? Like if you're doing a stock options plan, expired or worthless or whatever, like you just can't like, yeah, you know, are you going to take the hit Right or or at this point you have an open position, so is it the account value? Or like there's there's a lot of stuff, um, but uh, and they've all been addressed separately. But the the question about the entertainment thing, I go to the lawyers. The lawyers say you cannot pick out of all the things you can't hand select your players. And I said that's bullshit. It's not going to work unless I have cool like entertaining people. And they said yes, but the FCC, the Communications Committee or whatever the, the Federal Communications thing says you can't, it's an unfair contest. You can't give it to, because otherwise I'm going to give it to my friends and my friends are going to win the, the prize or whatever. And so you have to do it like American Idol. That's how you can do it. And so I said, all right, fine. So I'm going to do it like American. So next thing you know, I'm like, now I'm doing a reality TV show that's being produced in order to get my contestants. But uh, but 
but I'm still kind of left with that itch of saying I still want it to be not American. <laughs> so like I'm in parallel, continuing to push forward uh, when it comes to uh, to having just this 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 lead with rules and and with which you can measure these competition. People can on their own just go in there, start getting ranked, right? And you start getting stats because just like with baseball, you can say this guy's got like a whatever percent win rate and this percent R and this percent whatever. And this is how many ranked matches he's played, right? Because he registered and followed these rules. Some of these rules are purposely going to force people to do things that might not otherwise do. Like uh, or prevent or prevent them from doing things, uh, such as trading certain instruments, uh, or such as not trading certain instruments, um, or such as using margin versus not using margin. Right. So those things are, are are all addressed separately. So that allows you to that allows me to isolate specific skill sets. If I tell people you can only trade with stock options, we now know that you need to know how to find the right stock and how to find the right direction of the underlying stock as a starting gate. Stock options is a beast all in it of itself. Then you have to worry about executing those and what, you, what your concerns are. And then you're, that competition is looking at that skill set much more than the other ones. Whereas if you have another one, which is like, let's do a stock picking contest, then that's just whatever. And based off of those rules. Um, uh, and then there's the ones that, that, that allow you to make it look as much like a stock type uh, sorry, stock stock chart trade, but to practice a very specific thing, which is what is the optimum moment to buy, right? And what is the optimum mo- moment to sell? And all of a sudden, you have like an educational component where people watching at home being like, "Okay, yesterday I knew that a stock was a thing of a company that goes up and down, but now I know when to buy it, and I think I can do it better than the guy on TV can, right?" And the next thing you know, they're trying to do it on their own, like I did with poker. I didn't know how to play poker until Chris Moneymaker won this World Series. I, I love this idea. You're pitching it as a TV show or is it going to be like... Uh, well, TV. Like, I use TV because I just got off the phone with them. No, I mean, it's going to be... It's gonna, there is a TV show because I need to get my contestants, right? So that's being done. But then it's going to be online. Like TV doesn't allow you to do six and a half hours live streaming. That's a Twitch yeah. thing. And you need to be able to interact with the players. I'm going after these Gen Z millennials that don't... I've never had a television subscription in my life. Unless yeah. I was forced to bundle it with my internet. So, no, it's going to be on, on the internet. I totally want to play in this. So, how can I tell me when I can start like competing to be a contestant? I want in. I will let you know as soon as it's, it's up, but it's going to be in the not too distant future. That's, this is, it sounds really exciting. And then, because then, like I said, you could have a fantasy sports component where people could have leagues, their team of people that they draft, and then you're going against your friends as a different team. And it could be a whole, you know, you ever see that TV show, The League? Like, could be, everybody could have uh, fantasy leagues for this. It, 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 is, it is pretty cool. And it gets even more exciting than that because it, when, you, when I was in Vegas, next to the WebEx thing, what, at the, uh, whatever, the Italian one, like the, whatever the hotel right next to the Venetian, there was another gaming expo. And, and I, I got one of it because a lot of people that I knew were going to be there. And... Uh, Jay, did you know this? There was a gaming thing uh, right in the Venetian then? I heard about it, but I, I, I didn't show up for it. Why <laughs> didn't you go to that? Well, because I was busy working the, the whole oh, yeah. time. So for me, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Sorry. But sorry there, James. I'll, so, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one of the things that dominated the, the, the conversation there. So a few months ago, I got wind that the Chicago, the CME, the Chicago Market Channel Exchange, was going to do these things called event contracts. 
at face value that look like whatever, right? These these are these binary outcome bets where you say the price of Bitcoin is going to be above 40000 today, right? And at the end of the day, you either make 100% of your money or you lose 100% of your money. But they're calling these things event contracts, right? So there's a few components to it. Number one, there's contracts, right? That contract is a tradable instrument like a stock option or a futures contract. Number two, it's on the CME, so it's regulated and it has high liquidity and has marketplace. Number three, it's an event Right, it's an event contract. It's a binary outcome based off of stuff that happens in the real world. So now you have a tradable instrument that is a, a liquid, regulated thing whose price is or whose outcome is derived off of stuff that happens in the real world. I'm like, that is fucking big, and I don't think everybody realizes why yet. And then well, it's I, big because day, it's a hundred percent gambling. It's like be, you can't even like joke around or make a rationalization that that's not gambling. Well, philosophically, I had a fucking field day for it because exactly right. It's like, how could you justify this as a financial instrument? Like stock options, they're good for hedging. I get it, right? Like, you know, and there's a, futures, the same thing. There's a lot of things and you can use them to your own liking such that they, they give you gambling results. But you're right. This one has no way to, to dress it up like anything other than gambling. So it's funny and it's ironic and, it's, and it was uh, uh, definitely some food for thought. But, but, the, but once you get past laughing at the situation... You now have a very, very, very big opening here, which is now, like you just said, this is gambling, right? They're starting off by gambling on stock prices, so you can dress it up like it. That's what's to stop somebody to say, I think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series, right? And now all of a sudden, you're like, well, that's interesting, right? Uh, But sports gambling exists elsewhere, sure. But now you have a treatable contract that is liquid and regulated. On a marketplace as well, like with you know proper counterparties, having a, a a contract that is tradable. I'm not sure if, if you or your audience understands the impact of that. You don't have to wait for the outcome of that binary event sure. to take place. You can sell for profit if your like team is winning. You can cash out right and give somebody else uh, that contract, and so that allows you to define your risk and have a lot more fun with it on pretty much anything. So I said. The next thing that you're going to see is charts, like the kind that people use Fibonacci lines on, of sports teams that are going to win or lose a particular game or a particular year or a particular thing or players. And you're going to be able to plot technical analysis things. And you're actually going to have market information being able to provide, like it's being provided to people in real time about stuff that's happening in the real world and how that's going to affect your game. And guess what? Like now you can trade the Dodgers game in my esports competition too. Not not now, but you'll be able to in the same way when it comes like, what is your instrument of choice? Well, I will choose Apple and the other guys, well, I'm doing Bitcoin. Well, the other guy, so I'm doing the Dodgers game because it's trading at 50 bucks right now. And I think it's going to be trading at 70 by the end of the day. It's right. sort of like um, like election prediction markets too, like predicted.org. Exactly right. You know, they they chart like, oh, is Herschel Walker going to be Raphael Warnock? Well, first he's at 45 cents, then he's at 51 cents, then after the debate he's at 49 cents. And you can you can make the bet and you get paid off 100 cents on election day or you could sell along the way. But I haven't figured out a way to right. I haven't figured out a way to bet on elections in size. Like these are all pretty heavily regulated these prediction markets. Uh, that's that's why the Chicago Mercantile Exchange plays a very prediction markets exist everywhere. You can do it on anything and crypto prediction markets, but they don't exist with liquidity, right? They don't exist on the Chicago yeah. Mercantile Exchange. This is all like the New York Stock Exchange level, and they're not gonna 
they're going to be following right behind there because there's a lot of money in the market. The marketplace is like, dude, I let people come and buy and sell shit. Like, that's my job, right? Like, and I make sure that I follow the law, what they're selling and buying, it's up to them. But they provide, it's like selling stuff on Amazon. You're automatically exposing yourself to a lot of buyers and sellers. And it's a really strong, strong way. So you have that liquidity. You can do it in size and you can do it with sophistication and you can do it with like, uh, and, and then you can start garnering uh, cross-pollination where you have trader. Like I don't, I, I enjoy watching sports, but I don't gamble on them. And I definitely don't like them enough to, 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 to keep uh, up to date on the speed. But if there's a, but, but I'm going to look into them. I'm going to, when they, like, if and when they do come out, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to follow this game and I'm going to follow this thing here and I'm going to see how this feels like and I'm now going to expose myself to gambling in sports. Likewise, people that are sports gamblers are like, I don't do stock market stuff, but I heard I can bet on the Dodgers using that app or Robinhood or whatever. And I believe that it's not priced correctly because that because the proper sports gambling infrastructure uses things like spreads and handicaps or whatever to, to calculate the odds. The market over there is a free market, meaning it starts off with 50-50 odds and then the price is determined by supply and demand. So any inefficiencies in that supply, in that pricing, like any errors in that price, I'm going to arb it out. I'm going to arb it an arbitrage. Like this is a, a sophisticated financial thing can, can be explained really simply is the morons on Robinhood don't realize the Dodgers are going to win or that they have this handicap. So I'm going to go ahead and, and buy my bet over there. Or the morons over there think they're going to win and they're not going to because they don't know what they're doing. I'm going to go ahead and sell it over there or hedge my bets or whatever, close the pricing gap. And now all of a sudden you have people using that are sports people that are using Robin Hood. So that, that cross-pollination is going to lead into more participation and more liquidity and more gambling and more just shenanigans. And so, and, and you're... TV slash Twitch stream, you know your your idea. Calling like it, here, I'm calling it esports. It's, just, it's it's it's. I need to change it, but for now, it's 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 what I'm calling it. Yeah, e or e betting somehow. Bet, uh, yeah. Or 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 I don't know e investing. But I <laughs> I love this idea. I can't. Well, what do you think is the timeline from when you're going to actually start doing stuff? I mean, I know you're doing stuff, but I mean, when it's, it's yeah, it's already being done. Um, and so you'll start being able to see it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say like at this point, we're in November Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be the first quarter of next year. And this is, this whole thing is a great application for crypto. Cause like, if you think of crypto as the internet of value, like anything of value could be traded for anything else of value. I could create a contract, i.e. a smart contract where it says, oh, the Dodgers are going to win and buy this crypto. If you think the Dodgers are going to win. And the smart contract works out, you know, how people get paid out and how the crypto goes up and down and, and so on. And I could then create a smart contract. Oh, uh, you know, Biden's going to run for re-election in 2024. Like you could bet on that. You know, anybody can create smart contracts for, for anything. And it seems like this is a perfect yeah. application for, for DeFi and crypto. Yeah, well, all of that already exists. In fact, there's right. already places where you can just say, what would you like to create? And we'll make the pool for you. And then... Um, yeah, like and, there are crypto prediction markets for chess, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like that. So the concept of the application is already there. The issue bumps in, like the issue comes in when it comes to liquidity in some cases because they're smart contracts that oracles need to be reliable. But um but yeah, no, it's it's it, uh, crypto and and Wall Street are emerging. Period. You're already seeing it, right? It's no longer a prediction; it's a fact. 
Right. You have stuff that's trading on the NASDAQ that 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 derives its its value from crypto and vice versa. Uh if big money is is already, you know, carving out a a space for crypto. The news or entertainment or whatever you want to call it, there, you have the crypto programming on all the boring adult investment channels like CNBC. They all bring up the indices and they bring up crypto on the bottom ticker thing now. So like it's it's here and it's there and it's the same. It's just an additional uh, asset class or, or, or set of instruments that exist or different ways of, of transacting with uh, the world. Well, I'm, I'm very excited about this project of yours. Uh, and I want to be a contestant on America's Got Investing or whatever you're, whatever name you're calling it. That's a bad name. Don't use that one. And uh, I'm very impressed by everything you've done with with Wall Street Bets, plus your authenticity about the why of how you were doing this, like, uh, you know, the Occupy Wall Street story and the the kind of simmering resentment that happened after the the, the Great Recession and all the bailouts and and what's happened since. And look, I hope these next things you do have a lot of success. And like I said, I, again, for the eighth time, I want to, it sounds like fun, I want in. So just to play. Just to be, I will just, let you know. just to compete. I'm a competitor. So Jamie awesome. Ragazinski, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and come on again when your thing's uh, launching and we'll, we'll talk about it and try to generate as much buzz as possible or help you generate as much buzz as possible. And thanks again. Appreciate it. Take care. Have a good time. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.